Marquise Bell is rising back up the NFL draft charts. Coppin State's future looks a little bit duller in men's basketball. And Howard's women's 4x4 had a phenomenal performance at Texas Relay. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I am for Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Day and today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero, reshaping the way that you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house based games to play daily, no sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups that you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Now, Marquise Bell is rising back up the NFL draft charts, and man, this makes me feel good because in one of the latest NFL.com mock drafts, it was a four round mock draft. They have Marquise Bell being selected in the fourth round by the San Francisco 49ers. This gave me a huge sigh of relief because in my head, I'm sitting here thinking that everybody's against Marquise Bell now. And I was sitting here thinking, what is going on? Why do you, why do you not like him as much as I like him? And I, I had been racking my brain trying to figure this out. And it was a situation, it started off really with the, what I perceive as a senior bowl snub because I know the guy can play. And I think he was deserving of being there. He felt he was uh, deserving of being there. Willie Simmons thought he was deserving of being there. And I more so didn't like the way that the whole snub Jim Nagy went about it personally. I think that that could have been handled a lot better. I know he probably feels like it could have been handled better on both sides, but personally, I just didn't like it. And I think that left a permanent taste of disgust in my mouth that just carried on going forward to where I just didn't see him put in those same conversations that I found Marquise Bell to be in at the end of the season. And this right here, this fourth round selection was by far the most positive thing that I have seen about him recently. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I want to first detail the player that I think he is, but then also talk about why I think the combine performance that he put on is a, is a driving force in why he's moving up these charts because I've seen four four round mock drafts. I haven't seen his name in many. For me to see his name right now in the timing that I'm seeing his name really doesn't mean a lot. We're going into April. So these these draft experts or so they say, they always say this isn't so much what I think should happen. It's what I'm hearing. So there's something that's being said around league circles that makes the guy say, hey, Marquise Bell is a fourth round selection. And I think that he's deserving of it. I definitely do. And I was really starting to question if my eyes were deceiving me. I, I I see a player who flies around the ball. He's a guy that I like a lot. I like violence, right? I like violent players. And I know that's not PC or what, what should be said in the day and, day and age of, you know, CTE and a lot of concussions. And it goes directly against what the NFL says. But guess what? I don't work for the NFL, so I can say it. I like the highlights that play. Here, go, here comes the boom after. 
That's what I like. I like those highlight tapes. I like big hits. I like watching LeRon Landry. I like watching Ronnie Lott. I like watching Ray Lewis. That's what I like to see. And he reminds me of players who says, who say, I'm going out on a mission, not headhunting, but I'm going out on a mission to impose my will and let you know that I'm here. You're not going to go, go through like I'm not around. He lays the wood. And I like that about him, right? So with all that being said, I asked Gerald Huggins, who comes on every Thursday about the draft eligible HBCU players. Every Thursday he does that. I asked him, what's going on with Bell? He talked to me about his PA Bowl performance, where he played a little bit of outside corner and I think a little bit of inside corner as well. Those aren't his positions, but he played well in those. And it's it showed that, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go to the league and be a corner as opposed to a safety. He's definitely a safety. But in a pinch, he's shown his ability to possibly play corner in a pinch. Right. His where you want him to excel at is as a safety. So with that NFLPA bowl performance, with what I've seen on tape, with what I heard towards the end of the season, had me wondering what was the impetus of this all? What made Bell begin to fall down or not talked about? Or then also, I'll tell you, I'm an emotional guy. So sometimes, a lot of times, I wear my emotions on my sleeves and I let my emotions drive me sometimes. Was I was this a situation where people just were not talking about him as glowingly as I would have been? And now I perceive this as something. Did I take that senior bowl, you know, snub and just let it just infect or change the way that I looked at how everybody else talked about him that was not raving about him? These questions all went on in my head. But this has changed things because this NFL combine. This NFL combine that he went out there and performed, I think he did two things. He, A, showed his ability to be an athlete. We saw the RAS score that he had. I believe it was in the mid-nines, so he had a good RAS score, and we know how RAS has started to really build up and be something that people talk about athletic profiles almost on a regular basis of just what this athletic profile is as far as, oh, you have this RAS score, that RAS score, what this means, what that means. But he had a good RAS score. He ran a 4-4-1 officially, and then he also, in his field work, because forget just the 40-yard dash. In his field work, he showed his he showed he had better hips than at least Lance Zerline had said in one of his draft profiles. He talked about having tight hips. In that drill, I didn't see the tight hips. And I think he showed himself to be able to move a little bit better than some had thought he would be. Now, I think the timing, this is going to sound weird, but I actually think the timing or the, the timing in which HBCU football was extremely emphasized might have hindered him in a way in a way yes it probably helped a little bit but in a way i think it hindered and that's because this season he was a run stopping machine and i truthfully don't believe that run stopping safeties are as valued so that may have taken some something off of his stock but if you just go back yes he had two 15 plus tackles games and i'm going to talk about that in a little bit but if you just go back he's shown himself to be able to defend against the pass as well in 2019, because mind you, they didn't play football in 2020, he had five interceptions. So it's kind of flipped of this year. He had multiple breakups. So in, in 2019, which was his second to last season, last year in 2021 was his last year. He skipped 2020 and 2019, right? He showed himself to be able to play a lot in coverage and have five interceptions, had a couple of interceptions against Southern in that season. This year, he had five forced fumbles. He had 15 tackles on two occasions, and that came against South Florida and Southeastern Louisiana. And you can tell I really do like this guy. I think he's a really talented player. And 
in that game, we in South Florida, which was no longer FCS um, competition. Showed out, had 15 tackles. You went against South uh, Southeastern Louisiana, which was in the playoffs. So those are your better FCS teams. 15 plus tackles. I really thought he had a phenomenal game against Southeastern Louisiana. Had one of my, I think probably my favorite play by him was the one in which he he really slipped the screen and it was an instinctual instinctual play in his because how many times he's around the ball is showcased by the fact that look at the tackles he has. But I want to say a specific, I want to say a specific game or a specific play, excuse me, in which it was a screenplay. He read it. He slipped underneath an offensive lineman, and then he still made the tackle in open space, which he's an absolute monster in open space. So we've talked about not only his ability to stop the run, which he showcased in 2021, we also talked about his ability to um, attack the pass and be able to play in pass coverage, which he showed in 2019. It just is not shown as much in this most recent season in which there was so much emphasis on him. So now you're thinking, oh, my, oh, my, he's a run stopper. But no, he can also play in the back end as well. This guy's absolutely fantastic. He's an all-conference player in not only the SWAC, but also in the MEAC. And he was an all-FCS player this year. So he's well-decorated. The, the performance is there on the field. And this is a guy who I think can really slide in. He deserves to be a mid-round pick. And I'm glad that he's climbing back. And I think his combine performance, showing the fluidity in his hips, showing the athlete that he is in the broad jump, in the vertical jump, in the 40, in the shuttle, those measurements, I think, made people do a, a second look at him. And I think that's going to pay off. If they draft him early, if they draft him late, they're getting a steal. If they draft him in the mid rounds, I think he's more than deserving of being right there. A fourth round pick in the latest NFL.com mock draft. I'm loving it. He's climbing up the drafts. And one thing that I'm not loving as much are the Coppin State basketball players who are leaving in the transfer portal. I have something to say about that. But first, I want to tell you about Stat Hero. We're at the final four now. If your bracket is not busted, good for you. Most of us aren't that lucky. Most of us aren't that lucky. Our, our bracket's been done since the round of 34 or 32, excuse me. But it doesn't really matter if you made it to the final four or if you made it to the round of 32, as long as you have stat hero who who allows single game pickums in the season, in the sense of, all right, this game, that game, that game. Yeah, your bracket was busted two, two rounds ago, but you still have the ability to pick on this game or that game. So with stat hero, users are four times more likely to win. That's all I need to hear. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Four times more likely to win. You got it. I'm signing up immediately. But then I also want to tell you about this feature that mixes fantasy with wagering in the sense of, hey, yes, you can bet on this, but you can only use the players that, or you only have to use the players that you actually know. That is great for me. No more betting on players that I don't really know. I'm only using the players that I actually know at stathero.com slash locked on using the promo code locked on for an 100% deposit match. All right, so keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day in today's word of the day is impetus. It is a force that causes or encourages something to be done or to become more active. And we were talking about that. I was questioning the impetus of the fall 
of Marquise Bell in the last segment. But now I want to tell you, and I want to switch gears over to basketball, and I want to tell you about how Coppin State's basketball future looks a little bit duller than it did just two weeks ago. Now, some prominent players from the Coppin State men's basketball team have entered the transfer portal, and I want to first off say something about the transfer portal. It does not mean that you're gone. It means that you're open to seeing your options. It does not always mean that you're leaving. Now, I do think that two of these players specifically are out of here, and I'm going to tell you why. But I also don't want to make it seem like that a reunion between these players and Coppin State is out of it because it isn't. They could still come back. They will probably still be welcomed back. But there are multiple players. There are four players, three prominent players, but four players that are actually in the transfer portal. And this is it's disappointing because things do seem slightly less positive now. And I'm purposely using words like slightly and little because I don't want to make it seem like it's time to be chicken little in that the sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's it's not at all. That is not at all what, what time it is because you still have reason to be optimistic, which I am going to end this with. I want to end with the reasons on why you could be optimistic, even though these are some prominent players. I'm not going to make it seem like this is not a big move and something that could really shake up Coppin State. However, I do think there is a way to weather this storm. First, let's talk about these players, right? We have to do that because... The reason I find this disappointing is Coppin State is coming off of a inter- an, in- an interesting season in which they were the number seven seed. They really didn't have that great of a regular season. They didn't. They went nine and 23 overall on the season. This was not a great year by them. Right. And two of those two of those wins came in the NC in the MEAC tournament. The season's quality is kind of shaky, so I would understand why players would say I have to go. But at the same time, let's look at how their season ended, because, yes, you were the seven seed coming into the tournament, but you knocked off the second seed in Howard, knocked off the number three seed. And then you actually gave Norfolk State a game for the first half. I said this before. And if you remember when we were talking about what happens with the runner ups, they were the one runner up that didn't make it to a postseason tournament that I actually had good things to say about. And it was because they were returning so many young players. They were so young. So I felt that that momentum that was built in the NC or in the MEAC tournament could kind of go into next season, kind of like rollover minutes, right? You go into the next month with your minutes. And I thought that confidence was going to go. But now you got players saying, you know what? I'm a chunk the deuce. I'd rather go. I don't really want to be here right now. Things are not as bright. Once again, remember, we're not saying it's dark. It's just not as bright. And let's talk about why. Let's talk about these four players. Let's talk about them because Reggie James, he's a player who he didn't play many minutes. He was more of a role player for them, had a little bit of contribution, but he really only played about 10 minutes a game ish. So I think that there's some that's somebody that they can actually replace. I don't want to say easily, but much easier than these other players, in my opinion. He might have grown to be more, but actually replacing the production that he had from this season. It, it was it was a minimal amount of production. Let's just say that, right? But let's get into the big three. Let's get into the big three, and I'm going to start off with Tyrese Colbert. Colbert, Corbett, excuse me. He was already off the team since February. Hadn't played with them since February, and it was already acknowledged that he was off the team. Not in the sense of 
I was going, I was injured. I might come back. No, he was off the team. We used to him not being around. We're used to that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that that just means that his impact is minimal. Some people could say that, and I would understand why you would say that, because he has been gone for so long. I won't say it because when he was there, he was putting up 13 points. He was clearly on the way to being the, the leading or your, your rebound leader. He was second, and he played 10 less games than the guy who was in first. I think he was second by like five. And we're going to talk about him because he's leaving too. But he was a big part of the game. He had 20 points in multiple games. So I will not just write him off, but I will say that the fact that they did not have him around for multiple parts during the season, I mean, for the end of the season, I do think it makes it a little bit easier to move on because you've already started to move on. He's already been off the team. Your mind has actually already phased him out of the program in some ways. Now the next person is Jesse, uh, Jesse Zarzula, or Zarzula, excuse me. And with Jesse, that's the leading score. And the reason I think he's gone is because you go to his Twitter and he's retweeting in the transfer portal, in the transfer portal. Like, I feel like he's really trying to spread the news that he's there. So I do think his intention, most times the intention is to move on. But I, and I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Look, most times I see people going to the transfer portal. I don't see them come back to their team. But it does not mean that they have to leave. But most times they do skedaddle. Um, but he's retweeting that I'm in the transfer portal. So he wants people to know, look, I'm looking to move on. And he was the leading scorer on this team. He had the best free throw percentage and he attempted the most amount of threes per game. He didn't have the best percentage. He was like, I think 0.1 off maybe from the late, from the leading percentage, but he did make the most per game. So their three point shot is going to suffer because of him. And with Jesse, when you leave your when you lose your number one score and the guy that is the best score on your team, it's going to really affect you. But the one thing about him is he was gone too. He was injured the whole month of February. He came back and he was able to impact the tournament run, but he was gone the whole month of February. So you're missing your best score. You're missing the guy that gives you that spark that drives your offense forward from a points department. But at the same time, he was gone for a month. That might make it a little easier because you were able to operate with him towards the end without him for the end of the month he did come back in the tournament he had a big game versus north carolina central he had 27 points in that game so that was major but he was gone for a little bit then you look at kyle cardassi cardassi excuse me i twisted up with these names for some reason today but you look at kyle cardassi and this is a guy who he only scores seven points a game he's your fourth leading scorer however he was your best three-point shooter he was your leader in rebounds as well, but he was your best three-point shooter. And I think that he is going to be felt really hard because he didn't miss a game all year. And then also, in addition to that, they rely heavily on their three-point shot. So now you're losing your best three-point shooter by percentage. That's going to impact a team, period. But a team that relies on their three-point shot, they already didn't make a lot of them. They shot a lot and they made a lot, but percentage-wise, they didn't make the greatest percentage. To lose your first and second best three-point shooters, that's tough. I've already kind of told you how I think that, you know, the first two guys are going to be kind of replaced because they missed a little time. It might be easier. Look, Cardassi is going to be much, much more difficult. And I would be interested to see how they get it done because I do think there is a way to get it done. But the fact that he was a three-point shooter at the core and one of your best of them, 
that's going to be just difficult to, re to replace. The one reason is to be um, optimistic is Ninda Tark. And with Tark, you have an all MEAC player. And you have a guy who averaged 13, averages 13 points a game. He was your leading um, assist guy. I mean, excuse me, um, steal guy. He was that. So I think that he was second in steals. Uh, excuse me. He was first in steals. Cardassi was second in steals. So he is a guy who you look and say, oh, this is somebody who can really drive my, my team forward. He's young, too. He's going to have some years there. So I, I believe that that's one of the reasons to be excited because you've been through this before. You lost your top three scores at the end of last season coming into this season. Here's to hoping that they do better with that. And I think Tark is a big reason that they will. Now we're going to talk about Howard and how their 4x4 had a phenomenal performance at the Texas Relays. And they were really showing out, not just in that relay unit, but then also in their individual events. So they had a great day at that, at that event. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar, and I'm sure that they have some Built Bars in their regimen because Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market, bar none. Go argue with somebody if you want to. Just not me. I've tasted it. I have tasted blueberry muffin. In my opinion, will not be swayed. No, it won't. Now, I'll say this. The thing about Built Bar that always gets me is that you have 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carb, and you're covered in chocolate. I just don't feel like good for you with that little amount of sugar be covered in chocolate. But it is. And then they one-up themselves because they have all the same health benefits. All the protein, all the limited amount of sugar, limited amount of, of net carbs. But then even with that, you telling me that you put marshmallows in chocolate and still had those health benefits? That's ridiculous to me, but I know that they got it done. They have so many delicious flavors that you have to choose one for yourself. And the place that you will go to get that is built.com and make sure you use the promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off your offer. All right, we're so wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. I want to talk about the Howard women's 4x4 relay because they had themselves a career day at Texas Relay. And I don't just mean as a unit. Even when you split some of these women off, they were balling. They was hooping at, at, at Texas Relays. And I think that this is a day or an event, rather, because it was a four-day event. This is an event that should go down in Howard women track and field history. And I don't say that lightly. I mean that wholeheartedly. This is one of the better days. You had three records, three school records that were broken on at this event. And all three of them were either broken by this 4x4 relay team or by a member of the 4x4 relay team. That's special to me. That's special to me. I want to start off talking to them or talking about them as a unit first. Let's start off there. As a 4x4 unit, they were in Texas relays. They were, they, they were the second place team in their heat. Fifth overall as far as prelims go. And then they come in and they have a lot of big names here. You have the Texas, um, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, others. And that's in the finals. You're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with all of these ladies, right? And I, I think some people might not have expected them. I heard the commentators and the commentators sounded absolutely stunned and floored when Howard was pulling away. And mind you, this was not close. This was not close. The next closest person was Kansas State, and they were four seconds off. So this was not close at all. But let's not make this about the opposition or anybody else. 
I want to strictly hold this here to Howard because what Howard accomplished on this day didn't need any competition added to it. Yes, they brought in gold. Let's start that off right there. They brought in gold. I do want to mention that because forget the names that are involved. You bring home gold, that's a success. But you bring home gold in the way that they did, it's even better. Now, these ladies are no stranger to success. But when trending or looking at how this season is trending, their outdoor season is trending so far, you look just a week prior, they ran a three, their four by four, it was 344. This week, they're running 332, or it was 342, excuse me. This week, they're running 332.89. They chopped off a complete 10 seconds. And I felt like it was really one. You look at the second leg, I believe. I believe it was the second leg. They started getting a little bit more of a, a pull. They were slightly behind Kansas State in the first leg. The second leg, you saw them pull a little bit. I felt like the third leg was tested a bit, but they pulled away on that home stretch to go into the final, the final uh, handoff. And, man, once the anchor got it, it was done. Once the anchor got it, it was absolutely wraps, and she just started expanding, expand, expanding the lead. And it was it was clear this wasn't close. It was, wow, Howard, wow, Howard. That's what I kept hearing the commentators say. Wow, Howard, look at Howard, look at Howard. And it was absolute astonishment in the tone of her voice when she was saying it. It's like, this is great for Howard. This is big for Howard. I think the other commentator kept trying to say something else about just Kansas State and what's going on and correcting, like, the cards and the people who are – Wow, Howard. Wow, Howard. That's all she could say as the home stretch of the anchor was running. So I think that this is great as far as trending towards it. Um, as far as last week or a week prior, they ran 10 seconds. They shaved 10 seconds off at the time. So I know that they're happy with this. And that puts them at seventh in the nation. Yeah, this puts them at seventh in the nation with this. And this is an improvement off of their own school record. They broke the school record that they had. Just last year, they had a, a record in which I think they ran 333. So when you break your own record, you know, you, you that's when you know you you submitting a legacy. Honestly, that's my personal opinion. Anytime you break a record that you already broke. So now you just ahead of yourself. That's how you know you're really building up a legacy. And you want to talk about that. Let's talk about this because I want to make sure I get these names right. All four of these ladies are, are seniors, by the way. All four of these ladies are seniors. And we're talking about breaking a record that you already broke. Jessica, Jessica Gabay, right? And I think we need these names right. But Jessica Gabay, she broke the Howard record in the 100 meters. And the reason I said it's, it's three records that they broke, but it's kind of four, is because she broke that record in the prelims at 1150 in the 100. That was a school record that she broke. But then she came in in her final heat and ran 11.25. So once again, now if you look at the records, it's going to say, Gabay, Gabay. It's going to say, Gabay 11.25, Gabay 11.50. So now you're the top two people in that event in your school's history. Man, these type of things are just remarkable to me, and it tells stories. And I think that overall, over all of this, honestly, over all of this sports and debates and hot takes and all the things that you see all the time, personally, I like telling stories, period. Even if it's not in article form or whatever, I like stories. I like things that I can sit there and be like, well, Jessica Gabay, she came in as a freshman. She did this and that in the third. And then now you're looking at her now as a senior. She's part of the four by four relay that has knocked off a record that was long lasting and then knocked off their own record. But not only that, she also has the record in 100 meter for Howard. This is one of the greatest sprinters and greatest runners in track and field history for this school. I love those kind of things. 
And I think that's what she's building for herself. But she wasn't the only one off of that relay team who was um, breaking records. And also, in addition to that, it was the other Jessica, Jessica Wright. She brought home the bronze in the 400, but then she also ran a Howard record in that event. And that's why I say this is great. You have the four by four record. You have the 100 meter record that was broken two times. And you also had the 400 individual record that was broken there as well. So there were so many records being broken. And honestly, the four by four, four by four was nearly broken. There was two members of that four by four squad on that relay as well. Just to bring it all the way home from relay to relay. These are the these are the performances that were put on at Texas Relays by the Howard Bison. Absolutely phenomenal. They were blazing. So you had Gabay, Salida was also part of the four by one because I want to mention these ladies by name who were on there, Amina Salid. And they were close to breaking records. So Gabay, right, they broke records individually. The four by four unit as a whole broke that record as well. And then the four by four, four by one nearly broke a record. This is a day that deserves to go down in history for women's track and field at this school. This was an absolute phenomenal performance. And in conclusion, they were blazing the track. They had a lot of success at this event because that does still matter. They had a lot of success at this event. And they also had themselves put down in the history book again as a unit and some of them as individuals for a second or third time. So they are really killing it. And I think that they deserve to be praised. And you look at it, we start off with football, with basketball. Now we're at track. So well versed. Like when I say thank you for going on this journey with me, this was truly a journey in my mind. Like we really did this today. And I appreciate you for going on this journey with me. That's why you got to continue making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Tomorrow, we're going to be going over the Alabama A&M spring game. They were the first HBCU to have their spring game. They had it this Saturday. So we'll be recapping the major storyline, and that's who is going to be replacing Aquil Glass at quarterback. Woo! These are things you cannot miss. So for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked on NFL Draft. You got Eric Crockett, former NFL and AFL cornerback. And then you also have Ryan Tracy giving you everything that you need. Don't miss their mock draft Monday. You need to check it out. And in the meantime, in between time, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.